We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, The place to up-level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex podcast. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat, and you're about to listen in on a juicy conversation about psychedelics and healing. Get tuned into the current, controversial, and enlightening debate that's happening as psychedelics are rolling more onto the scene in psychotherapeutic practices. We talk about how ketamine and MDMA have been proving to be powerful in the efficacy of treatment for couples and for trauma. We discuss ceremony culture and the importance of integration. We even get into observations about the shadow aspect of this movement, including abuse of power, the war on drugs, and how we can mitigate the harm through education. This episode is more potent than the stench of the old joint that you found stashed in your sock drawer since 1998. But first, I'm reminding you that my birthday month, October, is coming up. And you better shower me with love, affection, and podcast reviews. In exchange, I'll be showering you with my month-long sensuality series designed to help you live your best sensual life. Each week, I will be having inspiring conversations with some of the top leaders in the field of sensuality and embodiment. I will also be hosting a couple of dope workshops, including an online version of our Undone Sensual Yoga experience. Can I get a fuck yes? (laughs) Hit subscribe and head over to sexloveyoga.com so you don't miss out on any of the juicy bits. Now to our awesome guest that I'm so stoked to have on the show. Dr. Nick Bruce is an integrative psychotherapist and clinical researcher who specializes in helping people heal and grow with psychedelic-assisted psychotherapies. He's the co-founder and lead trainer at Psychedelic Coalition for Health, an organization for psychedelic medicine education and advocacy, and offering clinical training in psychedelic-assisted therapy and integration. He's also one of my good friends. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) I'm so honored to have really wise friends like you. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I have been bugging you for a long time (laughs) to come on. I'm literally like poking you. I'm like, Mm -hmm. when are we going to have a podcast? Mm -hmm. When are we going to have a podcast? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And first podcast ever right (gasps) here. Stop it. Are we popping your podcast, Jerry? popping it. Mm -hmm. I'm so so honored. <laughs> and I know your partner's in the room who's also my dear friend. So I hope she heard that. I'm sure she's blushing. <laughs> um, wow. And this topic I'm really excited to have. You know, I grew up, I guess it was in the 90s. You know, we both grew up when DARE mm-hmm. was in uh, in our grade schools, right? Mm, and we just were just say no. Just say no. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Did you have one of those t shirts with the lion on it? The lion has a name. I forgot the name, but he was like shopped around for like, like as a, the, the mascot of, of dare. Yeah. 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 I totally had one of those sh- mm-hmm. those shirts. I think I was even part of a, like a dare club too. Mm-hmm. And you know, and like the officers would bring in the drugs yeah. and they'd be like, Oh, this is so bad. Don't mm-hmm. do this. You know, like you're going to fuck up your life. Like mm-hmm. you're going to become a degenerate and it scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mission accomplished. (laughs) Yeah, it's just the mission was off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so fast forward, now we're getting into all these conversations about psychedelics and and we're hearing about uh, ceremony cultures and ayahuasca. I've Mm -hmm. had some guests on here talking about ayahuasca or even psilocybin circles. And it... um, uh, Marijuana or cannabis has been legalized here in California. And I also think New York and a couple of other states too. Yeah, Yeah. Colorado. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to start having conversations about how uh, this can be used in a mindful, helpful way. Because I'm almost seeing this commoditization, commoditization, there we go, um, happening around um, cannabis where Mm -hmm. I think it can be really helpful, but 
it can also be used in a harmful way. So, so a uh, comment on the D.A.R.E. program. Wow, that just brought a lot of images. Um, the brain on drugs, this egg mm-hmm. frying in the pan, you know? <laughs> yeah, right? we're just like smashed around the, <laughs> the room, so, yeah. <laughs> wow, mission accomplished. And the mission was, is, as it looks, was to scare kids to stay away from drugs. Yeah, let's get the shit out of us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Whereas a better approach, a new mission is to educate, to find out about these drugs, to find out what's going on inside of people that might want to use any range of drugs and for why, and then how to go about that. Yeah. So there's a lot of conversation there. We know now that the war on drugs was a war on people of color. Yeah. And it has not been of service to mass incarceration yeah. of people. For and criminalizing the, the marijuana. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so what we're turning towards now and the research is supporting is how can we educate about substances and create environments where it's safe and healthy uh, to use a wide range of technologies, uh, medicines that are available to us. You bring up a really good point, because if we think about why do people use drugs or substances of any kind, and it's to feel better, right? Mm-hmm. And we we are, especially in this world where we have so much managed care and we have so much, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have so much information thrown at us mm-hmm. where we just we want to take care of ourselves. We want to feel mm-hmm. good. We want to, um, whether it's be able to better manage the stressors of life or in the case of the war on drugs, you know, how the the population that were being put in jail were the same mm-hmm. population who were being impacted by racial, racial injustice yes. and dealing with all these um, social stressors mm-hmm. in their environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, so many um, different reasons to name a few. So someone might work with medicines, drugs, in order to not feel Mm. all that they're feeling, take their mind away from something. Uh, Another reason is to heal, to move towards, to explore and understand something better. Mm -hmm. And this is really, we're honing in there on um, the Mm psychedelic-assisted therapies. Another is to explore consciousness. Mm. Like we have these uh, medicines that can... um, um, help people explore what it is, uh, who they are, what it is to be human, what it is to bring about insights about relationships and patterns. There's, there's so many reasons and benefits. And I, I say all that knowing and, and want to say in the same breath that there are cautions as well. So mm-hmm. points back to education and research as we go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's key. And and with the education piece, what are we talking about when we say psychedelics? Great. So psychedelics, this term means mind manifesting or soul revealing. Oh, I like those. <laughs> like, why don't we use those more often? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. and these uh, substances are, these medicines are characterized by their ability to promote a non-ordinary or an altered state of mind. Mm. By that, it could look like shifts in perception uh, and perspective as well. Mm. Uh, So what constitutes psychedelics? Well, there's a wide range. Uh Um, It's uh, categorized in this class, but they actually can be derived naturally, uh, such as plants or fungi. I can give a couple examples. Or or in a laboratory. Uh So... Some that are uh, like LSD, uh, LSD, yeah. Yeah, yeah, LSD, MDMA, kind of known as ecstasy, ketamine. Uh-huh. Um, these things are made in a lab. Um, whereas uh, psilocybin uh, comes magic from mushrooms, mu- mushrooms, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, mescaline from peyote and, and other cacti, and ayahuasca. Uh, many know it's made by combining both a plant and a vine. So many of these compounds are naturally sourced. Okay, and and then what? Uh, how does 
psychedelics, how do those work on the brain specifically? Good question. So there's different psychedelics have uh-huh. different impact on the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to give uh, one example, so MDMA, of which I'm part of the research by a sponsor organization called MAPS, mm. the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. This is a nonprofit that's been at it for 30 plus years, um, whose main mission is to make available these um, these psychedelics mm-hmm. for tools and therapy. Mm. Uh, so we're studying MDMA and we're pretty close, uh, maybe two, a year or two away from getting FDA approval. <gasps> yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> so, so that, close. Oh my God. Yeah, so that it can be prescribed in conjunction with psychotherapy. Uh-huh. So the way MDMA works in the brain and to describe this, I'll use an example of what's happening in a brain that has PTSD. And this happens to be um, what we're studying in this phase three uh, trial, uh-huh. uh, complex, uh, I'm sorry, severe PTSD. So in a brain that has PTSD, there is an overactive amygdala. This uh-huh. is the fear center of the brain. So you can imagine just you know reactivity or hypervigilance. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a decrease in activity in the prefrontal cortex. This is where we make reason. We can, you know, we can be mindful and rational about what's what's arising. Mm-hmm. And another area of the brain, the hippocampus. There is a decreased activity, and this this is the area that helps uh, kind of memories go to long term storage versus uh, them seemingly be pre- being present or current. Mm-hmm. So we add MDMA, and what that does in the brain is it turns down the activity in the amygdala. So the fear gets turned down. So you can already imagine as, you know, the therapist you are, it's just like, wow, what a useful tool to turn down the fear for someone Mm -hmm. who maybe, you know, have gone over the story of a traumatic event for years or decades. And now they're able to have this experience in a therapeutic container to revisit that same material with with their body, their physiology, uh, responding in a different way, less fear. So that's the amygdala. That that's makes sense. Down. Okay, so mm-hmm. with that, I can see that from the trauma therapist perspective on me, mm-hmm. if that sometimes these parts get overwhelming in the body, mm-hmm. like the person, you know, we start working a bit on the trauma mm-hmm. and then it's almost like they get flooded with yeah. the emotion and they can't move past it. Mm-hmm. And so then they'll, you know, engage in some sort of strategy of like disconnect, disassociate, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. we can't quite get to the thing. Yeah. To get to the thing and experience the thing in a different way. Yeah. So as we know, how the brain stem, how, how the brain works, mm-hmm. uh, the the amygdala gets first dibs on information. If it senses, you know, if there's if there's going to be fear reactivity, mm-hmm. uh, bef- that will limit the amount of activity in the prefrontal cortex. So with MDMA, there is it's shown that there's an increase of activity in this uh, making uh, meaning or uh, and rational thought. And then that third part, the hippocampus, there's increased activity. Uh, which which points to being able to take uh, kind of traumatic or just memories and really sending them off into long-term storage, meaning it's not that you forget about it or they go away, but it's a knowing, it uh, can be experienced as a knowing, like that's in the past, I survived that. And mm-hmm. not having to react to it in the same mm-hmm. way over and over. Which is important uh, for all of our listeners because when you have PTSD, mm-hmm. the there's a blending of the timeline of your trauma. So right. your body's responding as if it's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And part of our work is, is bringing the brain into a place of being able to designate a timeline mm-hmm. and recognize that it's no longer here in, in the mm-hmm. present moment. Yes, yeah. and this is a huge advance in mental mm-hmm. health treatment yeah to be able to turn down the fear so that we can again in a therapeutic relationship help revisit and come up with new reference points new perspective Mm. new understanding of what that experience was like Mm -hmm. so that it can be integrated you know included in one's experience and not 
kind of reacted to in the old patterned way. Yeah, because everything in our brain is from something we've experienced. So as we're creating new experiences to be able to develop new neural pathways and new habits to form around that, mm-hmm. um, to, to shift out of those previous strategies that we've in, instilled. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Right there. So <laughs> oh. you're nailing this, this point that these medicines are an op- working with these with psychedelics, assisted therapy creates this opportunity for people to have a different experience of the same material Mm. and that gets encoded in the way that in you know it's the same circuitry Mm -hmm. by and large of which we uh, take on any experience but we're having positive experiences a a sense of oneself that can notice and see Mm. challenging material in a new way and that carries forward into some examples of that, what that looks like of making healthier choices, mm-hmm. being more uh, available for intimacy, mm-hmm. um, shifts in or taking chances in uh, um, everything from relationships to um, create creative pursuits. Mm-hmm. Because originally, or maybe not originally, but past research with MDMA, well, like years ago, was with couples, right? They used small amounts of MDMA to help um, increase empathy and connection with in, in conversation. Yeah. So I, for any of your listeners and anyone who has had an experience with MDMA, probably uh-huh. intuitively, there's this understanding, oh, this would help in couples therapy, <laughs> <laughs> couples in general. Um, yeah. So um, there hasn't been a lot of research about it because, unfortunately, uh, MDMA was um, rescheduled or the DA made it I- illegal um, in the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, there, it was being used yeah. in couples therapy and another another therapy. So yeah. there is research going on that again. It is a to my mind, it is a no brainer of the utility um, of that as it mm-hmm. continues to be proven as safe. Yeah. Um, in, in couples therapy. Yeah. So you don't know this, but in my twenties, so I was diagnosed with PTSD as well Ooh. and done a, yeah, had done a um, trial with them in MDMA, like small amounts of MDMA. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So in that session, um, I experienced, uh, I never, I didn't know what to experience. Mm. I was like, what to expect. And, and so it was, it was very gentle. He was very, the therapist was very quiet. He wasn't really asking mm. questions. I think there was one point where he did like a gentle touch on my um, abdomen mm-hmm. and, and, and then just like, let me lay there. And we, and then he was like, okay, breathe into that, you mm. know? And then he's like, if you feel called to share anything, you can. And it was very like, like I think of therapy and I'm always asking questions, you know, but here it was very passive. He was Mm -hmm. just holding the space. And then I just started going blah, 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 blah. And I was like laying there looking up the ceiling, little tears going down my face. And just, I was sharing the trauma I had only told one person in my entire life, which was my therapist. Mm. And so there was this, it was almost like the barrier wrapped around that, that was the, mm-hmm. the protector part around that yeah. was removed. And so I, I, I could speak it. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of my blabbing, I just roll over to my side and I go, okay, I'm done. And I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, it was amazing. And, I, and since then, it had uh, unlocked that ability to talk about it more, wow. whereas before I couldn't. Wow. So the ongoing um, positive impact of that. Yeah. And that actually is a great example of the modality in which um, MDMA, the, the treatment model that we're using to study MDMA-assisted psychotherapy, it's not directive. It's... Or, Better, it's called inner directed. So mm. we, as a co-therapy team, are trusting that there is an inner healing intelligence inside mm. of whom the person we're, we're working with, and we encourage. And if we are directing, it's directing them inward mm-hmm. to connect with that knowing. Mm. So 
you were able to access that and it does have this impact of ongoing. That's why, and it shows up actually in the research literature. Whereas uh, in this study with MDMA, participants actually take are offered MDMA three times, about a month apart. Mm -hmm. It's about a four month long protocol. So they have MDMA three times and the research um, in the, the first several studies, um, in particularly, and I'll just add the placebo effect in there as well. So those mm-hmm. that got placebo um, in this co-therapy team, which is worth about 40 hours of, of therapy, um, about 23 or so percent no longer qualified for PTSD. That was just with the, you know, they got placebo and 40 hours of great therapy, this inner and directed therapy. Um, those that got MDMA, those numbers were in the high 60% of people no longer qualified, not just symptom reduction, mm-hmm. but no longer qualified um, for PTSD. Wow. And here's the kicker. And, and to your point of how you were able to take something from that and, and kind mm-hmm. of it carried forward. After the four-month protocol, um, there's no more intervention. That, that's it. MDMA three times. A year later, from when that ended, the numbers increased. So closer to 75% of people no longer qualified for PTSD. No other intervention. We point to that people, um, when given the opportunity, uh, and the medicine doesn't hurt (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, to to help facilitate this, to connect with that inner knowing, uh, that work goes on. Mm. When people have experiences of opening to mm-hmm. what's arising in their experience and yeah. not having to maintain or build patterns of pushing away or distracting or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. Going, somewhere, going somewhere else, that carries forward. Yeah, I bet that builds self-trust. Yes. I have the resources to be able to hold this. Mm-hmm. I won't fall, fall apart necessarily. Mm-hmm. I can hold it. I can listen to it. I can be with myself. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now you also do, you're talking about MDMA and you also do ketamine assisted therapy. What is that? Like why, why does that, why is that conducive for, for therapeutic reasons? Gotcha. So yeah, ketamine, I I work with in private practice. um, And it's also going to be the um, psychedelic that we use in the psychedelic coalition for health, the uh, training mm-hmm. um, of therapists, yeah, and, yeah <laughs> for psychedelic assisted therapies and integration. Um, ketamine is an anesthetic, or it was created first as an anesthetic. It's been around a long time, over fifty years, on the World mm-hmm. Health uh, Organization fifty most essential drugs. Its 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 safety profile is really really great, meaning that um, um, for for example, it's been called the buddy drug. As, um, the what? The, the buddy <laughs> drug. In, yeah, right. Like walking down the street, hey buddy, and no, but like in uh, in terms of uh, war, so soldiers um, would have would carry ketamine on them, and if they or or their their fellow soldier were, were injured in a way that they would need to get, you know, need to get air vac or evacuated, that ketamine could be used um, to, one, create a little bit of separation um, from the pain mm-hmm. they were suffering, and then also re- reduce the, the panic that might uh-huh. be arising. And I say safety because it doesn't depress Ketamine doesn't depress the respiratory and cardiac system in the way that, say, morphine does. So it doesn't mm. have to be as closely monitored. Ketamine's used uh, uh, with kittens and infants mm-hmm. and adults. And, okay, you know, so it's safe to yes. to use and in, in there. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, always conscious of the dose and the doses that we're using in in therapy are sub anesthetic so the, the higher doses you know people uh, anesthetic so that they're not conscious the doses mm-hmm. that we use there's a, the witnessing presence is still online mm-hmm. and creating a little bit of space so mm-hmm. similar to to MDMA where it can create this other environment you can imagine again say challenging um, material or a traumatic event, able to 
revisit that imagery, but having a little bit of space, like a bird's eye view or just from, say, across the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can say a lot of other things about ketamine. It works differently in the brain, not on the dopamine or or serotonin um, receptors, but on another one called glutamate, which is very much um, involved with memory. Mm -hmm. So as we're revisiting um, his material um, with an intention of healing. The brain circuitry um, being um, promoted in a way that helps for new memories. And again, new experiences getting at the root causes of suffering versus uh, managing symptoms. Oof, wow. Yeah. I lo- so the spaciousness that you were describing, there's space there. Because I had read that it's a, it's a dissociator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Typically, when I think of the word dissociator, I think of like PTSD, you know, like you're not here. Mm -hmm. Like I disassociation was one of my coping strategies Mm -hmm. to just not be there. So Mm -hmm. how does this make it so that it's it's workable? (laughs) You're not like gone. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, a couple of pieces to that one dose. So, yes, ketamine by class, it's class is a dissociative. Mm -hmm. Um, and it has that characteristic that can remove one from their body, which is mm. can be really useful, especially as you know, uh, the somatic approach that we carry so much in the body. Yeah. So you can think of it in one way of just getting a little bit of space from that mm-hmm. without it even feeling numbed. It's mm-hmm. a different experience of having space from without having to feel numbed. Because you're still present to it. Because you're still present to it. So in the higher doses, an important part of this conversation, so the higher doses, the highest doses that we use in a therapeutic setting, there would be a a lot of separation. Um, Mm. Some would even, you know, classify it as like ego death or or just kind of something very far out there, no identification with the body or even a, a sense of self. Oh my God, that sounds scary. And that can be scary for yeah. many people. And it can also feel really relieving. Uh, um, and I think of the studies being done in end of life care where people have a high uh, dose experience. Um, and I've worked with people that weren't necessarily working with uh, a fear of dying, mm-hmm. but post um, a ketamine session, they're like, wow. I am just less afraid of that thing that I think I've kind of been orienting to unconsciously yeah, to be yeah, really yeah. afraid of. Yeah. So most, um, more often, um, I should say of late, I've been working in lower doses um, with, ketamine, with ketamine, and that creates uh, less distance, less dissociation. So there's this knowing witnessing presence Mm -hmm. online Mm -hmm. and it can experience oneself or one's mind without, say, we'll just use for an example, the tension in the body, whether that tension is from unprocessed grief or any number of reasons. Another major factor of of how we work with this, given it it has this dissociative uh, characteristic, is the the set and setting and the therapeutic Mm -hmm. alliance. So the, the mindset, the intention, I'll let people know that wherever, uh, whatever happens in the, in the next hour, as far as their internal experience, that they're going to be right back here in their ordinary state of mind. So it's kind of setting up, giving them a little bit of a map to help support the, their mindset. Mm-hmm. And then it's also including the setting that it be comfortable and, and familiar and, and kind and supportive. So these are some of the different factors that um, support the work with ketamine. So I love that you just said that, set and setting. I've heard that terminology used a lot um, in the psychedelic world, especially uh, Michael Pollan's book, Mm -hmm. How to Change Your Mind, uh, where I was reading about that set and setting as in like um, what you're just saying, creating a container for somebody to be able, very intentional, like mm-hmm. set intentional and, and, um, setting like what's going on in the environment, because when we open our minds like that, it's, we become very, very sensitive mm-hmm. to everything that's around us. So, you know, you and I've both been to festivals, like, <laughs> like we've been to music festivals and I've been to Burning Man and, um, 
there is that psychedelic culture there. Mm -hmm. And so what you're, the difference between that is this piece here, the set and setting. That's a huge difference. Yes. Or the way I understand it, a huge difference. So set and setting, as you, as, as you named, uh, the set is the mindset, the space someone's mind and mood is in, and also intentions being a very big part of that. And the setting being the environment, the space. Mm-hmm. Is it comfortable? Is it a controlled, warm, um, conducive environment? Um, back to the the setting. Um, I'm sorry, the, the the set, and that there is intention. Uh, also, a difference between uh, some recreational recreational yeah, use. Yeah. It's it's really the intention. The therapeutic intention is we're here to get to know ourselves better. We're here to heal something. We're here to understand, yeah. uh, move, move through something. It's a movement toward oneself. Whereas for many um, um, drugs, along with psychedelics included in that, can be used to escape or to move uh, away from. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Or in, to enhance. To, to make something more sensational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can imagine, you know, somebody who has unprocessed trauma or who, ha- who hasn't even um, learned the skills of to be able to recognize the that their thoughts are not themselves. Like mm-hmm. it takes one of these, these um, psychedelics or substances or medicine um, out in a world that doesn't have an intentional mm-hmm. set and setting and how scary mm-hmm. that could be, yeah. how re-traumatizing that can be. I've even had clients come in and they took uh, psilocybin or mushrooms just themselves. Mm -hmm. And I would not have advised that if I had known that they were going to do that because they weren't appropriate for it in doing that by themselves. And it ended up re-traumatizing them. And so Mm -hmm. then I was here to help them integrate and discover, okay, what just happened to you, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I just imagine all the people out there who aren't don't have that guide or don't have mm-hmm. that person to hold that space mm-hmm. could potentially be having these life-changing experiences, but could also yeah, end up re-traumatizing themselves. It is possible. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it points us back to, you know, education and the importance of that, the, mm-hmm. the kindness, the compassion of mm-hmm. having a, a investment in, education for oneself and others, mm-hmm. you know, and as we're, we're talking about psychedelics and how that can be an assist in, in these things in, in healing. And to, to say there's, there's also many other ways um, to get um, the kind of mind and heart expansion that we're talking about. Like you, you and I met mm-hmm. um, yeah. five rhythms, right? Um, so through dance. dancing. Yeah. yeah. Um, breath work, um, drums, uh, drums, music, uh, creative, uh, athletic, you know, flow states. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, uh, different ways that, um, that can support this kind of, um, mind and heart expansion mm-hmm. when, and also to say about, you know, psychedelics, I, there's a lot of, while I'm, you know, a clinician and researcher and I'm honed in on the therapeutic uh, uses of psychedelics. I am, I am very aware of the um, uh, their use for consciousness exploration, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. How, I w- want that to be a, uh, a birth, you know, uh, a uh, a right to, for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> We're over here dancing. You can't see us, but we're over here dancing, finding that word. Where's that word at? Yeah. (laughs) So for, will that be for healing, for expansion of one's mind? You you mentioned, you Uh know, um, I remember like for hearing like, oh, listen to that voice that keeps going in my mind. Yeah. Whether it be a a critic or just some, some, whatever the narrative is that's going. Having even a little bit of space from that, however we create that space. Of course, it's my experience that psychedelics are a very useful tool, technology to, yeah. to, to help with that, particularly 
when there's care given to the, the set and set. Yeah. And when we're having these conversations, these educational pieces uh, around how to use them or, or how to take care of ourselves with them. Because mm-hmm. um, I think I mentioned earlier with um, cannabis, how, you know, it has these properties to be able to help us to create spaciousness, to look at things, to help us um, understand our anxieties more. But it's mm-hmm. also become very commoditized. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just being like, like you can go and get some at your local dispensary mm-hmm. and it's called like what I don't know like purple penis or something you know like I don't know <laughs> penis <laughs> penis yeah. I think oh, no. that's still those Simon, are, isn't it those are mushrooms yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um the I, I think having these conversations will inspire other people hopefully to critically think for themselves what do mm. I need to be able to take care of myself how can I use this in a way that's that will um that will help me instead of hinder me um, I'm also reminded and really want to uh, have these conversations around uh, the culture with ceremony or with, you know, quote unquote, plant medicines, mm-hmm. because I, I, I witness a lot of um, ayahuasca circles that, that happen out there, which are legal under under a, um, a form, formalized church mm-hmm. um, or even some of these cactus medicines that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also seeing some psilocybin circles that are being formed, some of them um, by trained facilitators through a specific lineage. Um, I think mm-hmm. uh, Mexico is one of those lineages. I think another one is is uh, Europe. I can't remember where in Europe, but then there's also a lot of people are holding these, you know, quote unquote ceremonies that they don't have training. Mm. And so people are getting hurt mm. and people are having trauma, traumatic experiences. And the facilitators don't know how to hold that space mm-hmm. for somebody who's moving through a trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we can talk about uh, the the culture around uh, ceremony. How do you designate the difference between that and what you do as in, in therapy? Therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, it brings a lot of thoughts when I hear, you know, the ceremony or the ceremonial context. It, it, it's, there's groups, there's a lineage or there's certain cultural pieces that are being repeated or are carried forward from a particular, um, um, group of people living like tribes, in somewhere, like tribes, culture, yeah. different mm-hmm. areas. Um, and certainly great benefit in ways mm-hmm. and also maybe some, also some limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the, one of the limitations might be the, the group setting. I could also tell you how I think that's a Love it. benefit yes. as well. Do it, yeah. Uh, the, the research, uh, much of the research around psychedelics has been done in a much smaller container, as yeah. in one participant and even multiple um, therapists, like a co-therapy team in the MDMA for PTSD study. Mm-hmm. Also the psilocybin study, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. um, John Hopkins was using a co-therapist model. Whereas a group, there is a lot more going on yeah. in the group. Um, and um, I've been a part of, of group processes, and there's a lot of healing and things that just don't come up that may have come up, that things that don't come up when working um, by myself or just with a therapist or two. So pros and cons to both. The, there's also um, you know, a, a spiritual or more specifically a religious you know, connotation that mm-hmm, is carried yeah. on by, by some of these lineages that may or may not be of, of service to an individual. Mm. Um, so that's a, that's a consideration. Of course, most of the research uh, aims to not, or certainly aims to not bring any religion, not even a, a you know, defined spirituality, mm-hmm. um, um, not adding that to the context, mm-hmm. though it often arises, as you yeah. can imagine. Uh, within a participant, their own relationship with spirituality or religion, uh, something beyond themselves. Yeah. Um, and you, another piece of, of what you were po- pointing to is the, the the training, the integrity, the ethics of um, facilitators um, as the laws are changing. Yeah. SB 519 is a, a bill that's making its way through the California um, state um, government 
to decriminalize many of these uh, compounds that we're, we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Psilocybin, it just happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's happening. They, um, and how will people uh, work with these medicines? Um, you mentioned cannabis and kind of how it became very just like kind of transac- transactional. You mm-hmm. just go and pick it up. Um, MDMA um, mm-hmm. uh, will not be like that at least in the first uh, many years. Yeah. Um, and this is because of the integrity of the organization uh, MAPS. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be rolling it out, led by uh, Rick Doplin. And many, so many uh, beautiful, lovely people um, that have invested and investors. There's uh, when I, and on and on. So um, MAPS is going to roll out, ha <laughs> roll out MDMA um, <laughs> through um, their um, MAPS Benefit Corporation, which is solely owned by the nonprofit MAPS, in a way that um, for at least the first five or so years, MDMA will only be prescribed in conjunction with a therapy team that has been trained. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. simply the most ethical way, or perhaps the most ethical way or very ethical way to uh, roll this out. Um, It won't meet the demand, but they are, are, so that turns us towards uh, training and how there's such a need for training. Um, It's why more of my attention has been um, shifting towards um, offering education, public education, and also uh, training for clinicians. This is, this is why um, the Psychedelic Coalition for Health uh, was started. I had a colleague of mine, Lauren Taus. We saw, heard, very much got that there is uh, a need for clinicians to be educated, even not even just to work with altered, non-ordinary states of mind, whether they're going to work with ketamine in their private practice or other uh, psychedelics has become available. Mm-hmm. But every day, you know, there are people coming to their therapist saying, hey, I've been hearing about this. I've been hearing about, you know, mushrooms yeah, yeah, yeah. or this or that. And or I just had this experience or I had this experience, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. And this thing came up. So to educate therapists and how to work with uh, from an integration mm-hmm. uh, to, in order to integrate um, psychedelic experiences is is becoming a, a great priority. I, I love, love, love that you brought up integration because that's something that I've seen missing in the ceremony mm. um, culture is, um, so I have worked with some uh, elders from Peru around um, uh, ayahuasca and ayahuasca circles. Um, and seen, witnessed how some of the pieces that are missing there, I'm thinking of, okay, where's the prep for, for some of these? Mm-hmm. Cause I've witnessed participants have experiences and, um, not understand what would be going on. Mm-hmm. So people who don't know how to journal, they don't know how to separate their thoughts. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to use the medicine in a way that, um, uh, you know, more like a like an archetype, or they don't know how to how to utilize that space once they're in it, or even post a an experience. You know, taking what you learn and making it concrete. So taking it out of the the cognitive mental space and into something that you can. Um, use in your everyday life because otherwise it's just like these insights and these mm-hmm. lights and flashy things mm-hmm. and and like okay so what do you do with that mm-hmm. and then people just like go back to their regular life because mm-hmm. how hard it is to actually change a habit mm-hmm. it takes work it takes consistency mm-hmm. but I don't actually see many people doing the work afterward or or really like they don't know how to do the work i think mm. that's the piece of it mm-hmm. they're not taught how to do it so they're mm-hmm. riding this wave of oh my god my nervous system feels so light mm-hmm. i felt one with the world i felt mm-hmm. you know all this stuff but then like two weeks a month mm-hmm. later it's like gone so how do we make this something that is for lasting change mm-hmm. and not just the moment Mm-mm-mm. big smile over here yes 
So integration, uh, the main word I, I, I pair with that is inclusion. How do we include the big experience that was just had? So you, um, to refer back to some of what we've talked with, so an, in an, within, an, say, an MDMA session, someone just revisits a traumatic experience and they're able to uh, witness or have a different uh, view or perspective on that. So how do we then integrate that? How do we include that new memory, mm-hmm. that new experience into our ongoing life? And on kind of the uh, ceremonial space for many is like, okay, I'm going to go to this other country or continent, um, have this experience with maybe a bunch of people that I don't know and may not see again, and then I'm going to come right back to my situation here. Mm-hmm. Our hope with PCH, the Psychedelic Coalition for Health, is to really um, um, promote integration as Mm. a before, Mm -hmm. during, and after of any psychedelic uh, session. And I don't mean the psychedelic, you know, uh, just like the two hour trip. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Within each one and over the course of the entire uh, either the researcher or, or treatment for someone. Yes, yes, yes. I want to highlight that for everybody who's listening because then you're describing it more as a tool mm-hmm. and not the actual thing that does the change. That's right. Yeah. So as we know, you know, with ketamine or other um, um, psychedelics, it can be a break. And to what I was saying before, that that is... Uh, that can be a very useful thing for someone to kind of get a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it, it, it leaves a lot of meat on the bone. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of therapeutic potential there. Mm-hmm. So during that break, if we, um, and even prior to that medicine-assisted experience, that there's an intention and a game plan of, of what the aim is. Mm-hmm. And then also how would someone... What are some options of how someone might continue to refer to or include that into their experience days, weeks, years, decades after any peak experience that arises during a medicine-assisted session? Mm, Yeah, so somebody is really held through this process and not just kind of left to their their own. And I hear this a lot. I feel this this very passion burning inside of me because it it, it really it really gets to me this um, experience of spiritual bypassing that I often see used in the mm. culture of oh well you were supposed to that's your lesson from the medicine or that's your mm. lesson from from this thing mm-hmm. of like no I was left in the middle of mm. you know this space where I couldn't move and had you know this whole re trauma and. And, uh, you know, where was the facilitator to hold mm-hmm. that space, you know, or something, yeah. you know, things can go sideways and then it's just like, use this, oh, well, you know, what's your lesson or, or yeah. And so yeah. here you're like hold, really holding a container, like a tight container yeah. for long, like two months, four months, whatever, mm-hmm. to pillow this experience. Exactly. So yes, held in a therapeutic relationship that mm. preceded and that will exist after um, medicine sessions and, um, yeah, there, there, so there's, I mean, there's bad actors in, in traditional therapy and then bad actors, you know, um, unethical facilitators that, as you said, would be quick to kind of bypass ownership, um, or responsibility for Mm. lack of care, preparation, Mm -hmm. uh, or training, um, as writing it off to like, oh, that's just what the medicine showed you. Mm-hmm. Quick sidebar, there are, it's not to say that all challenging, well, there can be challenging experiences that we do get a lot out of, but the point has being made here is that it's so uh, important to provide for the physical safety, the emotional safety um, around people in this extra vulnerable state of Mm. working with medicine. Extra vulnerable state in medicine. Ah, yes. 
because, you know, we're diving into this conversation that these conversations that need to be have, I believe, um, because there, it it creates more of a reality of the light and the shadow aspects Mm -hmm. around, around this medicine as it's coming forward. Um, because we're also seeing in some of the medicine worlds, and of course this is across any community, Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, the vulnerability that we're in and the, um, the, how do I say the, the archetype of the, you know, guru, quote unquote, or, um, um, shaman, quote unquote, unquote, of these power dynamics that are used and often, and, and taking advantage of somebody in these vulnerable positions. Oh, I can feel the agitation in my body having, because it, it stirs, um, a number, unfortunately, a number and growing number of, of um, situations that I've learned of and I actually work, uh, one that comes to mind is someone that I work with currently who was um, treated very unethically mm-hmm. um, and abused um, in, while medicine uh, psychedelics were yeah. involved. So that also points to as things are decriminalized, as psychedelics are decriminalized and even made legal in time, is that um, the the network of facilitators, the the um, better best practices, meaning like supervision and education, will be more readily available as um, things are not only decriminalized but but made legal. Yeah, yeah, and and having these conversations. So when people are out there looking for this type of healing modality, they know how to ask specific questions. Mm-hmm. They know how to do their own research. Um, please, please, please don't just go in because somebody says, "quote unquote," they're a shaman. Mm-hmm. Like what that word actually means is somebody who has worked through a specific lineage, um, through like a specific culture, and they can they can trace back what their lineage is. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one thing that I would highly suggest somebody who's looking mm-hmm. or, or interviewing people for that um, because lots of people out there out there calling themselves shamans and <laughs> and and um, and it, you know unfortunately the cultural appropriation can make it also very unsafe mm-hmm. for people yeah, yeah. please um, it's a self-loving act to um, invest in education uh, around any psychedelic that you're you've been hearing about or that you feel called to do or that was really useful for your cousin mm-hmm. um, or that you think might be great for your uh, parent um, there's education there's resources out there um, psychedelic coalition for health is one of them there mm-hmm. are many others maps uh, maps.org is um, a stellar resource as well Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some books that I really enjoyed reading consciousness medicine and, um, how to change your mind by Michael Pollan. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. the, and, and I think one of our answers or one of the answers I believe that can help with support of the ceremony culture, because there are amazing facilitators out there, you know, like they're, they and very amazing shamans and ceremonialists that I want to, um, you know, give them honor. And what they're really good at is ceremony. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's missing oftentimes, again, like we're, what we were just saying, the prep and the integration. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there can be an answer here of some of these ceremonialists or shamans or guides of pairing or partnering with um, therapists who are who are knowledgeable of psychedelic integration. Mm-hmm. Um, so there can be that team aspect going on. Okay, somebody mm-hmm. wants mm-hmm. to go sit in an ayahuasca ceremony, and then they know that they that they're going to be held in mm-hmm. helped in the integration of it afterward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that shows up um, during um, and even before. So. Meaning if someone feels like, oh, I've got one shot at this while I'm in Peru and then, you know, I'll get what I get and take, you know, what I what I can. And the shaman who may be extremely uh, well-intentioned um, as a, you know, a participant in that, just the 
awareness that this person may not be trauma-informed. Mm. They mm-hmm. Likely it's known that they haven't kind of known one's history, uh, tra- trauma history or otherwise, yeah. nor is there a clear um, availability post-medicine-assisted mm. um, uh, or ceremony session. Um, so these are all factors that um, that are to be taken into consideration to um, know oneself and as an act of kindness um, set let's set ourselves up in the in the best possible way mm-hmm. who would not be appropriate for psychedelics or psychedelic assisted therapy or ceremony so first I want to say I don't hold that psychedelics are for everyone so I yep. re- yeah, sincerely appreciate the the question Um a couple different ways. So the research, um, not only the research I'm a part of, but other research, it's there's inclusion exclusion criteria, mm-hmm. and you know there's some there's some particulars of like, I mean, active psychosis, and you know there's some very clear things that um, people would be excluded from the research. I say that because we will learn more and more and more as as we. Um, develop kind of safety protocols so that we can know with great accuracy who's this this particular medicine not so good for. Mm-hmm. Um, the neuroimaging, uh, the genetic testing, all of this is 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 being worked with and, and happening. We'll know so much more five, ten years from now. Yeah. As of now, there are um, the, the 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 short list and it's different um, for different medicines. It also, different medicines, you know, interact with the serotonin system. So certain antidepressants or anxiety medicines, there's, there's contradictions or, uh, another word there. There's (laughs) a, a co something. I hope this not appropriate. Out. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. appropriate to be uh, used with the medications. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there's certain interactions that we we would be clear to not have happening. Yep. Yeah, totally. There are certain interactions with certain medications that are known. Um, for instance, MDMA and cardiac. Uh, or untreated high blood pressure. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That's something because MDMA, the A is a, a phetamine, so we want to steer clear of that. The The question is is uh, has a lot of, uh, of particulars to it, and I would point um, everyone to go deep in their research, uh, yeah. the, whatever specific medicine um, they're, they're curious about, um, to that it's a fit for their um, health and whatever medicine that they're on um, and to um, do as much research as possible. Yeah, take care of yourself. Take care. Don't just dive in there. You know, be mindful about this journey and this process. You are so precious. Your mind is precious. Your body is precious. We want you to thrive. This is epic. So where can people find out more? Where can they look into your training? When I know you have a symposium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the Psychedelic Coalition for Health, all spelled out, dot com, is where they can go to find out more about clinical training for psychedelic assisted therapy mm-hmm. and therapies and integration. And also our symposium that starts in a, in a few weeks. And this is a, you know, psychedelic star studded event. Uh, Rick Doblin, the uh, pioneering founder of MAPS, Gabor Mate, uh, Paul Stamets, um, Senator Weiner, who's uh, sponsored the the bill for decriminalizing in California. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel Yehuda um, and her work on PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Ferriss, Aubrey Marcus, um, Camille Barton. The list goes on and on. This is a, a public. It's it's for the public. Uh, education. So many times in this conversation, we pointed back to the importance of education. This is a uh, a great bit of it. It will be recorded um, and content that people can have for a lifetime. Ooh, um, we also have a, uh, it'll be a panel discussion between three 
um, U.S. vets in different um, mm. branches that have gone on to create uh, nonprofits that are looking into um, psychedelic-assisted therapies for our veterans. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Um, we're also going to, uh, we've titled one, uh, This Is What Your Brain Is Really Like on Drugs. <laughs> you know, it doesn't instead look of like the egg splashed. Of the egg. Yeah, yeah, so it'll be the neuroscience component wow. to it well, the political, the social. Um, so that symposium um, starting uh, later this month. Yeah. Uh, maps.org. Um, psychedelic.support is another great resource. Mm. Um, there are many. Amazing. Nick, everything that you're doing, I'm so honored to be your friend and, and mm. witness how much you are serving the world with all of the work that you do. Mm, very sweet. Yeah. I so appreciate you. I loved this conversation. I can't wait till we dance again, which is probably once you hit stop here. <laughs> Literal <laughs> dancing. Yes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. Anybody who's interested, check those resources out. I'm also going to include all the links in the show notes so you can keep up with the evolution of psychedelics in our health and in this world. Mm, thank you, Kat. Thanks for all you do. Woo! Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy.